Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. This podcast is a Royfield Brown production. Find others on iTunes. All right. Yeah, I know. Hi, I'm Sarah Smith. If you're the type of person that goes to liberty as other people would go on safari, and the fact that John Lewis doesn't have a funeral service makes you fret, Sarah Smith cleaning cloths are for you. Sarah Smith, available from Sainsbury's for the Posher Washer. Proud sponsors of Dumpty Dum. So we're at, uh, we're on Valencia Street. This is the San Francisco chapter of the Dumpty Dummers on the west coast of the United States. And of course, every auspicious occasion where Dumpty Dummers meet, we do one thing. What is that, Laura? What do we do? We sing the song. I like that. We sing the song. <laughs> so wherever you are in the Dumpty world, Dumpty. salute. After three. One, two, three. Dumpty 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 Dum. Dumpty Dumpty Dum. Dumpty 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 Dum. Dumpty Diddly Dum. Dumpty Diddly Dumpty Diddly Dumpty Diddly Dum. Dumpty 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 Dum. Dumpty Diddly Dum. You are. This is Dumby Dum the show about the reality docu drama that is centered on Ambridge in the heart of the Midlands. I'm the 50s cake stand that is Royfield Brown, and with me I have the stale bun that is Lucy Freeman. And the last part of our vintage tea rooms is you. Now, today's Dumby Dum is from the Dumby Dum Meetup at Pie Bar on Valencia Street in San Francisco, California. Don't you know? Now, Lucy. Yes. You missed out. Next time you're going to have to I jump. I know, I know. Next time, just jump on a plane and come. What's stopping you? <laughs> um, well, bearing in mind a trip to the park seems to require as much organisation as a world war. I'm not sure just hopping <laughs> on a plane to San Francisco is going to be all that simple, to be honest. Well, so I am deeply, deeply envious. Well, I kept a chair empty ceremoniously for you next to me it was empty and everybody oh. looked at it with with revelry revelry <laughs> reverence reverence <laughs> but here is a roll call of the attendees at yesterday's amazing meetup we had doug salty sea dog Voint, who came with about 30 archers related books to give away jennifer reba who came from Emeryville, Jennifer Slavin, who came from like three blocks away, with her hubby Eric, who's a principal of the Mission High School, Laura Jackson from Marin County, Audrianne and her husband Mario, who came from Almeida, Robin Winning and her hubby Jeff, who has a stunning insight into more of Rob's evil doings. And we had Alison Hartley and a wonderful guide dog, Gary. And I tell you what, Lucy. What? Alison Hartley has coined a new term for a new Dumpty Dum listener. What's that? Dumpty Dogs. 
Oh, I know I heard on her message she said about a dumpty dog and I thought, oh, perfect, because we've got old um, Angus Haggis, haven't we? Mm-hmm. And now we've got uh, the guide dog, Gary. Oh, mm. dumpty dogs. That's yeah, lovely. Can dumb... Basil be a dumpty dog? Of course he can. Yeah, of course he right. can. Uh, but before we get to Call her Inras and all of that malarkey, Lucy, can you remind our listeners how they can win the accolade of Dumpty Dummer of the week? Yes, if you'd like to sing us a Dumpty Dum, give us a plot prediction or say goodbye to somebody for a fortnight, then ring us on 02030313105 or leave us a message on SpeakPipe. Thanks to lovely Shambridges for her amazing voices, to Cosmo for his podcast roundups and to Sarah Smith for sponsoring us. Um, I talked to the supremo of Sarah Smith today. Oh, yes. And apparently the figures are going up as a direct correlation uh, of, of the sponsorship of Dumpty Dum. So hurrah. And if anyone else has got uh, anything that they'd like to hook up sponsorship-wise with us, then give us a message. Well, um, I have something to add on that, but I'll, I'll do that later because you, okay. you're doing your thing. So you do your thing, Lucy. And uh, thanks also to Derek for the loan of the back bedroom, as always. He's very annoyed uh, mm. today uh, because he's had a letter about um, not payment of BBC licence fee. Um, but as he mostly watches Miranda and Mrs Brown's boys, he genuinely thought the BBC was paying him. <laughs> <laughs> I quite like Mrs Brown's boys. Oh, no. <laughs> but... but First off, apologies, everybody, if I sound um, even more Alan Carr-like than normal because I've forgotten my podcasting microphone. Um, so that's the reason why I sound a little bit uh, weak and puny um, on, on this week's episode. Secondly, now, Robin Winning, her hubby Jeff and Doug Foynt said also the same thing, that they actually want would be willing to pay the licence fee, even though they're citizens of the good old US of A, because basically they listen to so much BBC output. Really? Mm-hmm. And that sometimes they have to do round the round the houses um, somewhat illegal methods to download iPlayer shows because you can't do that outside of oh. the UK. And Robin even said that she's been on talk back or moan back or you know, whinge back or whatever the heck it's called <laughs> and and basically said this. And it occurred to me the irony of the 13 states back in 1776 saying no taxation without representation yeah. and they broke with the <laughs> crown. And here we have American citizens wanting to pay a British tax. The irony was not lost on me, I'm telling you, Lucy. <laughs> So, um, BBC uh, Mandarins, because we knew, we know that you uh, lurk and listen to this podcast. Um, there are people all over the globe that want to throw money your direction. So it might be something you might want to think about. Considering Netflix does s- subscriptions all around the world, yeah. why can't the BBC? Yeah. Hmm. Just thought. Right. Now, on this week's episode, we have calls from New York Nigel. There's another. Hey, see what I mean, Lucy? They're all over the place, I aren't know, they? Yeah. I know. Though he doesn't sound very New York, does he, this Nigel? He doesn't really, know. No. New York Nigel, who's staying uh, away from the roof. Yokel Bear, who's re-engaged with Ambridge. Andrea Melling, who doesn't believe in Josh. Witherspoon, who wants to know why the phones at Bridge Farm don't work. Emily Thomas, who wants to slap the fair brethren with a chainsaw. Alison Hartley, who wants Tom and Kirstie to rejoin forces. Goddess Diva, who thinks what happens in Brighton should stay in Brighton and... And, and, and Andrew White, who wants a word with Ian. But first, before all of that, 
It's the bit of the show that everybody wants to listen to. It's Lucy B. Freeman's Week in Ambridge. started the week with lovely Jimmus and Jazza. Hurrah, the Morecambe and Wise of the Archers. We had an entire scene of innuendo. Jimmus said Shula apparently objects to pork on the sofa. That surprises me as she sees so little of Alistair you'd think she'd settle for it anywhere. Then Shula showed Jimmus her curtains while Jolene was dealing with Roger the chef. <laughs> Charlie's long drawn out departure from Ambridge limped on for another week. He's had more farewell appearances than Cher. <laughs> well, goodbye, Charlie. I've certainly enjoyed our occasional chats, said Brian, but I don't want them to become any more frequent and I certainly don't want you as a son-in-law. So goodbye, old chap. Shook him warmly by the hand and pushed him in the cattle trough. Brian <laughs> did seem genuinely concerned that Charlie sounded as if he'd had the stuffing knocked out of him. Actually, Charlie's depressed tones are due to a marked lack of stuffing. But as Adam says with his weird pauses and strange volume control, well... Unfortunately, that's life, isn't it? Just for a minute, I thought we'd hauled ourselves out of suppressed emotion and then Charlie popped up out of nowhere and helped Adam get his fence post up and said, if you want me to stay, I'll stay, at which point I started throwing things at the radio and shouting, just go, will you, Charlie, for the love of God. Meanwhile, at Brooker's, Matthew and Pip were off for a dirty weekend arranged by her mother, which is faintly icky, but, you know, never mind. They were selling udder cream and rubber gloves over at Perro. <laughs> so David hurtled over there. That's Ruth's Valentine's Day Prezi sorted out. Um, his arm is aching. I don't know if those two things are connected. We had a baffling interlude with Joe and Eddie while they talked about a wedding of someone we don't know that's going wrong. The bride, who we don't know, well, her aunt, who we don't know, is scared of moths. It's like talking to my grandma. You know that niece of that friend of Auntie Kay's? I don't think you ever met her. Well, she's died. I tell you what, why not tell us about some of the people we actually do know who've disappeared? Mm. Alice and Christopher, for instance. This is like half listening to a conversation at a bus stop. Is that enough, Jazza? asked Fallon. One last shake, he said. Huh, picky. Poor Jazza was filling up on bacon sandwiches as he's back to pebble dashing the lavatory at Bridge Farm courtesy of Pat's bowls of fibre metabolism and pak choy. Tom was nice and robust with Rob. How anyone resists punching Rob full in the face when he does that little chuckle after he's misunderstood something, i.e. you're doing something I don't like, so I'm going to feign benign amusement until you do what I say. Tom gets on my wick immensely, but anyone that stands up to Rob earns my undying adoration. So that's Tom and Tony on my love list. Uh, what's Toby done in Brighton? No one knows, no one cares, but it cost £500. He's been gone for ages, but until someone tells what's going on, then I am refusing to care. The Snells have been in Ambridge for 30 years. 30 mm. years of sniffing and bossing and allergies. They are celebrating not with a party, a round of drinks at the ball, or even sponsoring a bit of the village hall. They are going to buy a wheelie shepherd's hut. Oh, come on, don't tell me you've never been tempted by a wheelie shepherd's hut. Etsy have got loads. They were this year's must-have gift. I've got three, one in my stocking and two under the tree. Josh decided to take on Pip's mantle of chippy little shite who tells his parents about fun. <laughs> we had a lecture from him on crop rotation or grass or something. I tuned out again. All I hear is grassy, grassy, milky, milky. And that's all I need to know, quite frankly. Lillian is coyly flapping around Justin like one of the bride's aunt's moths attracted to a rather pompous flame. Oh, Lillian, not another one. They test drove some horses and it was all jolly unconvincing with a lot of whoa and... Lillian said he was beautifully balanced with a firm rear, so she gave him his head. 
Then she got on the horse. And Justin said, Emir was really trying for her. <laughs> Emir's not the only one, I think. Lillian is also winding Brian up, refusing to go home to the Dower House. Basically, it's because she'd miss Matt. The house would be full of memories. And anyway, why would she buy her own gin when she can drink Brian's? And we end with some words that have certainly stayed with me this week. Um, I think a lot of people found them quite moving. Uh, the sort of thing you might put on Facebook over a picture of a sunset. Um, it was uh, Toby Fairbrother, actually, who, who said it. He's not normally a profound thinker. Um, and uh, I, th- I think we do have to say congratulations to the scriptwriters for this. I'll say it again here. And, and don't be surprised if you, if you find yourself coming back to it over the next few days. Um, Toby said... Women make bad choices sometimes, but that's not to say they don't know about predator proofing. The end. Oh, that that's quite good this week, Lucy. I, I enjoyed that. There, there were lots of things in there which kind of um rung uh you know, had residences residences? <laughs> What's the matter with me this week? <laughs> there, there were lots of things within your monologue which I could hang my coat on. Like, really? Yes. Like you mentioned at one point, um, over like here overhearing a conversation at a bus stop. I had a rather amusing conversation with somebody this weekend who uh, overheard a conversation in a Denny's diner. Right. And there were two people that obviously were on on a first date. Oh. And the gentleman turned round uh, to the lady person and said, "Right, so um, things seem to be going quite well." Um, I want to take you to mine. I'm just letting you know I'm wearing a, an adult diaper and I want you to be mommy. Uh, <gasps> I, I'm just going to go now to the bathroom. And um, and by the way, I don't quite approve of your outfit, but I'll be back in a minute. Uh, anyway, he went off to the bathroom. The woman got up, obviously with a shot look on her face and was about to edge towards the door. Then doubled back, sat down, wait for him to return and said, first off, right, don't you dare presume to tell me what you think of my outfit. And if you if you want me to play mommy because you're in an adult diaper, don't you think you should have told me that whilst we were talking online? And she just got up and walked away and said, and by the way, you're paying for for, for <laughs> dinner and drinks, of which the, the two women just stood up and applauded. <laughs> My mouth literally dropped open. <laughs> By the way, I'm wearing an adult diaper. Do you not? Do you not think that would have caused the focal point of this relationship? It's not you could drop in. It's not like saying, "By the way, I've got a cat. I hope you're not allergic." Flaming, Henry. So, I think, I think, dear listener, if you've overheard something equally shocking or illuminating um, in a Denny's diner. Oh, at a bus stop, um, I think, next week. I tell you that? Oh, go on, go on, go on. This was when I was in the cinema with my friend Dave in Sheffield. And um, there were two old ladies behind us and they were talking. And you know when the lights go down and then Mm. everyone everyone starts to talk really, really quickly because they just want to finish up their story before the film starts? Yeah. Or they used to. Now they just bloody talk all the way through it and ring Mm. people. But anyway, um, uh, and... (laughs) We were chatting and then we stopped when the lights went down. And we just heard this lady leaned across her friend and said to the woman on the other side, who was also in a three, she said, so anyway, I couldn't find the lever. So for the last six months, I've been going everywhere backwards. <laughs> and then the film started. 
started. And Dave and I just stared at each other with this horror. <laughs> I cannot remember for the life of me what we saw because we didn't watch a word of it. We just sat there thinking, what the hell could she have been doing? <laughs> anyway. It sounds like that woman in the uh, mobility scooter. Maybe that's what it sounds like she had. Did you see that story over Christmas about the woman in uh, something like Porter Down or somewhere in Northern Ireland or Carrick Fergus or something or that was terrorising people in the in the Marks <laughs> and Sparks in a mobility scooter? All these, she was by the um, by the changing rooms and she was driving around saying, "Oh, you look shit in that." No. no. <laughs> And she was completely drunk on chocolate liqueurs. And you said, it's a Christmas spirit, don't you know? <laughs> uh, but anyway, anyway. Excellent. So last week, Lucy, before we, we jump into listener calls, yeah. um, any overall thoughts and, and impressions? Shall we have a little chat at? I did. I was genuinely thinking. Hmm. Just go, Charlie. This is insane, mm-hmm. you know. And now he's going. Actually, I never said I was going on Sunday. I might go on Tuesday or Wednesday. It's like a child, you know. Mm-hmm. I'm going up to bed because I'm in a mood. I'm going to shut myself in my room. Off you go then. I'm going. I'm definitely going. When do you think I'm going to go? Because I might not go then. Yeah, and it's just torture for everybody. It's torture for him. It's torture for Adam. Ian definitely. No, I mean, he is actually bringing Charlie into the conversation now, isn't he? Mm, he is. And, and Adam's doing that thing of, if I, don't, if I don't say the word out loud, it's not real and nothing happened. So he said, I'm going to have, I'm going to have lunch with, I'm going to have lunch. And I thought, Ian, he knows you've got a husband. Just say Ian. And, um, and yeah, uh, this kind of uh, Ian saying about all the traffic from Barrow. And he said, so... So I wondered if Charlie said when he was leaving and Adam's going, no, I haven't spoken to him. I don't know. I don't know. Mm. Yeah, Charlie and, who? Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Charlie, <laughs> no, Charlie here. No, no, no. But yeah, it's just very sad for Ian. And you think just, you know, this is mm. going to give him an ulcer. Just say it. Just talk to him about it. And But then the lovely bit was don't watch the affair without me because I want to watch that with you. Yes. And I thought, ooh, that's nice. Mm-hmm. I mean, not nice. It's horrible, but. I understood you. I knew what you meant. Yeah, I. It, it's a bit of a shame that um, everything came to a head, so to speak, on Sunday. And we can't really talk about Sunday's episode, can we? Well, I haven't heard it. Oh, all right then. That All the more reason for me not to mention yesterday's <laughs> episode. Because it, be, it would come as a shock to me as well. Mm. <laughs> now, before I forget, right, mm. I'm going to do a post on the website, which is going to... Um, have the demarcations of uh dumpty dum listener so it's, right. so it's officially there because i think from here on in people need to say for argument's sake that hello i'm yokel bear i'm ringing from a tin pot tinny town and oh by the way i'm an antrobus yeah yeah so so people you have been warned it, it, it is coming and as of next week we will be strictly enforcing this as strictly as uh hmrc <laughs> uh get tax out of google <laughs> In fact, you'll get fined if you don't do it. Mm, ex- yes, I like that. More revenue in our coffers. <laughs> <laughs> right, shall we have some calls now, Miss Freeman? Why not? Smash in. 
Hello, Ambridge 3962. Who's first then, Lucy? New York Nigel. Oh, yes, I like the sound of him. Hello, it's New York Nigel here, a first-time caller-inner and um, a year-long lurker here on the speaker pipe under the ocean from New York City. Uh, I'm a priest in a French-speaking Episcopal church in New York. Uh, that's the part of the Anglican Communion that's just been sanctioned because the Archbishop's worried about the gays. I've been listening since Schuler played Fur Elise really badly on the Brookfield piano while old Jill and Doris were arguing in the kitchen. That was, you know, must have been around 1976 or something. I'm not sure what special insight I can offer on any of the stories based on all of this, but there we go. Just a little observation on the story that shall not be named. I'm sorry to say that I think the story will go on for quite a bit longer. Uh, you know, we're enjoying a drama about an everyday story of country folk, and it's not really like a fast-paced drama of city folk who are surrounded by social workers, provided with handy-walking clinics and what have you. I, I know we want this Rob to get spectacularly busted, maybe by Charlie or by Ian or by Doc Locke or someone, but that just doesn't seem to be happening. It seems like the family is still the centre of all the dramatic action and, and the place where all the stories get resolved. And that's probably why Rob is ingratiating himself with with real skill with, with Pat and Tony, though it's interesting that he hasn't had much interaction with Tom. Maybe not so much with Tony. I mean, they had that big argument, didn't they? But Tony seems to have had the wind kicked out of him uh, in the last little while, even though he can stand up for himself in, in years gone by. I think, in a way, it's a bit more like real life, which what makes it so compelling. He, he's such a classic bully. And just like in a lot of bully cases, it won't really be over until Helen realises it's over. She's the most important one in the story, I think, despite most of us wanting to have died during the 60th episode instead of Nigel, because she was such a dreary character. But I think she's got more interesting in a way. I'm more fond of her now than I used to be. Maybe it's because it's in comparison with the horror. Anyway, it's just such a brilliant job on behalf of the scriptwriters and, and the actors. Um, even though we've been following with increasing horror this story, I, I think a first-time listener would still need to listen to a few episodes, even now, to get a proper sense of what's going on, even given Rob's hideous outburst against Krusty last week. Anyway, hope to call in again soon. Thanks to Roy Field and Lucy and to Andrew for such a good job last week. Uh, I'm off to make marmalade labels and thinking of the dear departed Heather Pet and Jill's now undisputed triumph over the cake and preserve battlefields of Brookfield. Um, bye for now and thanks to all the other caller inners who've made my lurking so much fun. Thanks. Uh, New York Ni Nigel, he's a first time caller inner. Um, is he a man of the cloth or something? He is. Mm. He's a priest of the French church. Um, uh, uh, and he's been listening since 1976, which I was <laughs> about to say, I think makes him a Doris. But I'm not sure I should call a man of the cloth a Doris. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, New York Nigel. Father Nigel. 
Um, yes. Uh, yes, I agree that the story will, the, the Helen and the story that shall not be named, will go on for longer. Mm. Um, but at least it's not, um, at least it doesn't seem to be in every flipping episode now. It's kind of lightened up a bit. And as Yokel Bear will discuss very shortly, uh, you can actually miss it with some judicious uh, uh, fast forwarding. Um, and the inter- he raises a very interesting point, you know, because I've been saying who's going to fix it. Is it going to be Kirsty? Uh, is it going to be Kirsty and Tom together, as someone else yes. has suggested? Mm-hmm. Is it going to be um, Kirsty and Fallon? No one's actually said, will Helen actually come to her senses and say, what the hell are you doing? Mm-hmm. I going to put up with this anymore but well, none of us have suggested that but is that because he's so powerful we've just assumed that he's in effect neutralized her as an opposition <laughs> so you know she, she, she's just completely helpless now well no i think there's a little bit of a backbone there somewhere with, with helen we have seen fleeting little glimpses of potentially something haven't we but it, it seems to me and there, were, there was lots of talk up talk up I don't know what the hell is up with me today. <laughs> there was lots of talk yesterday um, around uh, the pie bar communal table. Uh, and it was beer week, by the way. They did a nice IPA and um, forget the name of the of the red beer, but that was that was kind of scrumalicious too. But anyway, so we are all at, around big pizzas and beer. We the, the consensus is is that this is going to be used as a way of getting Kirsty and Tom back together. That's what everybody yeah. kind of reckoned, yeah. you yeah. know, because Kirsty has always seen through him. Okay, Rob. Um, Tom has not, but, you know, he's really irked uh, the Sausage Meister this week, hasn't he? Yeah. And he's not yeah. at all bloody happy. Yeah. And, um, yes. So let's, let's hope that this is what happens. Liming. Yes. You has heard someone that. struck a gong behind you? Um, there are, there's time? there's build, building work carrying on here at a furious pace. Golly. Mm-hmm. So uh, New York Nigel, mm. he sounded lovely. He did, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. Uh, and uh, he's, he's in a very snowy and arctic uh, New York yes. at the moment. What's the weather like where you are, Lucy? <laughs> um, it is uh, murky, I think is probably the word. Mm-hmm. Yeah, murky. Not as cold as it was. It's poked up a bit, but it's still a bit, well, just, you know, January, London, grey, bleh. It's like walking into a wet, cold sock when you go outside. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'd like to say it's like it's California sunshine over here. But it isn't. Well, it's Northern California. So, um, you know, it can be almost London-like. Almost. Right. You know, it's, it's never quite as, as kind of drearily grey, but some kind of grey days yesterday. Do you think people tune into this podcast to hear whether whether reports <laughs> from... Uh, no. Frankly, okay. no. no. No, okay, smashing. Well, then we should move on. We should Who leave. Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. Who is wearing two smocks, which makes him a smock jock. I'm at Bear here, phoning from a very cold day in Yokelshire. So cold, in fact, I had to put an extra smock on this morning. But really what I was phoning about was just to tell you how I figured out how to kind of re-engage with the archers after going through a little bit of a rough patch with it. Because of the storyline that shall not be named. I'm no longer listening to the broadcast on the radio, on the wireless. I'm listening on the podcast now. 
And what I'm doing is, he's fast-forwarding through the bits of the plot relating to the plot line that shall not be named. And it's kind of transformed my listening. Without that plot line that shall not be named, um, if you take that out of the equation, the artist is actually pretty damn good at the moment. There's just some lovely little storylines going on. I'm loving the Fairbrothers trying to get ahead in farming. You know, the, the relationship. Rex is obviously so much better without Toby and could probably make a go of it. And Toby's like, like this kind of spirit of chaos that's just introduced into everything um i loved the bit recently where we had a moment of has eddie stolen some pigs it's great stuff and also the stuff with phoebe going to university and alex and all that kind of stuff so that's how i'm dealing with it i'm just studiously ignoring the other plot line so at the moment rather than listening to east archers or holly archers or whatever kind of dramatic soaps are in these days i'm actually listening to the archers that i know and love i'm editing basically i'm editing what i'm listening to yes that's a very good plan i can't actually do that because i have to listen because of this but i do only listen to the those bits once everything else i listen to two or three times but i only listen to um to those bits Mm. Uh, once because I, it's bad enough the first time i certainly don't want to to uh, listen to it twice and yes the fair he's he's really enjoying the fair brethren trying to get ahead in farming uh, and it, it sounded quite 40s it? how to get ahead in farming you can imagine like the potter's wheel da, 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 music behind mm-hmm. um so the first thing you'll need is some geese watch that fence there let's ask this country wench if she can help us you know it is very um mm. posh boys posh uh, posh boys do farming um and which leads us on, actually, to Emily Thomas's call, if we can hook these two together, because she says... Whoa, 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 whoa. Haven't I got what? something to comment on with the Yoko Bear's call? Sorry, I don't know. How do you feel about the Fair Brethren? Mm, I, I, I... Obviously, everybody now quite likes Rex. Yes, well, largely because he's not Toby. But Toby in and of himself, OK, he's an arse. Right. And with all this bro talk. Right. Which I know is Emily Thomas's call. So I didn't say that. I'm going to edit that bit out. Right. But, (laughs) you know, I am somewhat intrigued about Brighton, but I'm thinking it's, you know, he he ran up some big, massive debt and it's it's some 'er ne'er-do-wells down there and he's shoveling money to them. That's what it is. Or blackmail. And I think it it is it's been um, a real kind of, you know, we've gone on a journey, as you would say, in terms of the the, the fair brethren, um, them being indistinguishable at the start. And then, you know, they do have distinct personalities. You can now just about discern one from the other, though Rex sounds like half the other men on yeah. the show. Yeah. Uh, and I am somewhat intrigued. I am somewhat intrigued. You know, they've got underneath my skin enough now that I'm like, OK, what is this Brighton storyline, as we suspected, um, whatever they do, whatever they did with the geese, wasn't a proper commercial operation because they're getting money from from dad. That mm. is, you know, which is you know, which is what um, Jojo Sexy Heel said when she did the maths. It, it yeah. made no sense. It was just on too small a scale, etc. Uh, and I am intrigued, and I don't think we should completely write Rex off vis a vis Pip uh, just yet. Um, 
I'm kind of quite liking them. And everybody says that Toby's a chocolate spoon. He's not quite. Because remember, through all of his bluster and everything will be all right on the night, uh, Nuss, when it comes to business, he sold all those geese. Yeah. He did. But he's a bit like, yeah, he's a bit like Nigel, mm-hmm. Pargeter was, and um, Kenton, in that bloody hopeless, sort of practically. But when it comes to just shouting and 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 charming people they can do that well no but toby's charm is somewhat hit and miss isn't it right because in a in a business setting he thinks he has uh you know he, he no, but when he's kind of... when he's just out flogging yeah flogging yeah, stuff, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know he's yeah. a salesman yeah he, he creates that kind of sales kind of fever and like the best kind of auctioneers kind of do it, don't they? Where, you know, they'll whip you up into a state of frenzy and you can't wait but part with your money. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You sit there terrified that you're going to blink or sneeze and accidentally buy a tea plantation or something. Yes. <laughs> exactly. Anyway, now we can go on to Emily Thomas. Okay. Oh, and by the way, right. What? Um, Audrey Ann, who came from Alameda yeah. with her hubby, uh, Mario. Um, she is a microbiologist, don't you know? Oh. Yeah. And then he does something big in IT, right? Right. Now, they, she said to me that what sold her on Dumpty Dum and the sense of community was Emily Thomas's call um, after Friday the 13th of November, after the, the, the Paris outrage. Yeah. She said, when I heard that, I thought this is a real community of people. I love yeah. Dumpty Dum and aren't people just wonderful? Yes. No, that was very, very moving. Mm-hmm. And I tried to get uh, the BBC to actually cover that and they wouldn't. <laughs> but I tried. Hello, Dumpty Dum. It's Emily the Au Pair from Paris. Now, I've been stewing on this for quite a while. What exactly is the point of the Fairbrothers? I sort of understand the geese thing, setting them up as competition with the Grundies for the Christmas market. But aside from that, what exactly do they do? I mean, their fight over Pip was embarrassing and ultimately fruitless. Matthew got together with her in under two weeks, so she was obviously never that interested in them. And now they just seem to be jumping from one job to another. It's almost like they're the Grundies, except, you know, middle class and with Daddy backing them the whole way. Now the the big idea is to move into chickens why would David and Ruth give them a huge chunk of land for chickens when chickens has always been Josh's thing? They were even reluctant to give Josh any room for chickens when he first suggested it. And, and why is their dad funding them? And what is the scandal in Brighton? And why does Toby keep saying bro? I mean, nobody says bro. <sighs> Look, they just drive me completely up the wall and I don't understand why we're supposed to be invested in their storyline at all. They just seem to pop up every now and then, having a jolly old fight or doing some kind of odd job. There isn't any kind of emotional attachment to them. (sighs) Sorry, I just get very, very cross with them. I both think they need a good slap with a chainsaw. Good morning, you two and all Dumpty Dummers. Goddess Diva here. It's 20 past six on a Monday morning. I have not had very much sleep at all. I was on night shift. But I have to be up early to go and take my cats to the vet to have their stitches removed, poor little buggers. So she's ringing in to say, is it just me who couldn't care less what happened in Brighton? I I thought about it and thought about it, and there's nothing really that isn't deadly dull or pretty homophobic. It's like, ooh, what's the gay mafia? Homophobic? 
Braxton going on about go, doing something with, with our Tobes? Or um, is it that he's got a baby down there? Either way, boring, boring. And plus, it's Toby Fairbrother. Nobody cares. It's He's just a knob, really, isn't he? And he is one of those where the, the script writers know that there's no big deal about being gay because they've got Adam, Ian, and Charlie, and, and they're treating it beautifully, much like just any other love triangle, which it is. It's just any other love triangle. So, yeah, couldn't really give a shit about Toby every old ago, fair boner and what he did or didn't do in Brighton. Couldn't care less. Don't want to know. This is even less interesting than Route B. Don't care. Um, Yeah, that's about it, really. I will say I am very, very pleased that the calendar is going ahead and you are more than welcome for me playing to my strengths and getting people naked. It's something I've done for a while. Uh, Yes, who are we doing? Emily Thomas. Well, she wants to know what the point of them is. I am presuming... I think we just said it, we? Yeah, and the the point of it will be whatever's happened in Brighton, won't it? That will be the, the story accelerant that actually gets us somewhere. Mm-hmm. Sorry, hang on. William is mouthing something to me. What? Can you take the hoverboard? Uh, yes. Okay. Um, yes. I'm st- they're still annoying me. I know, I know, I know you, you've sort of bonded with them, but I haven't. No, Especially, no, I said, as I, I, said as I was I... coming round to them, Lucy. But when... When in that scene when um, Rex, mm. what, what are you clicking? I keep hearing clunk clunk. Do clunk. you? Yeah. Oh. Are you deleting something? Uh, I was clicking onto Facebook. It's um, Ashanti Okar's uh, birthday today. I was quickly going to write Happy Birthday. Right. But you've you caught me in the act, yeah. so to speak. Been doing it all the way through. It's been going clunk clunk clunk. I wonder what they what it was. Um, I think That's when... a bit rich coming from you, Lucy, considering <laughs> the amount of typing that you do whilst we do. <laughs> yeah, the rest of the script that I haven't sodding well done when I've suddenly <laughs> I'm coming up to it and I haven't actually written it yet. Um, when uh, Rex was helping Josh um, chop that tree down or do whatever the hell it was doing, mm-hmm. you know, when, when Toby appeared back from Brighton, mm-hmm. for the first five minutes of that scene, I did not know who Rex was. I thought it was Tom had come to help David mm. chop this tree up. And then I thought, what's Tom doing? Why would he, you know, that's easily got his own shit to do. And mm. then suddenly realised it was Rex and thought, dear God, I still haven't sorted them out. I mean, well, that's no. ridiculous, isn't it? No, well, it, it, it is somewhat. It is somewhat. And that's the reason why at some point, you know, somebody always comes along and says, hello, Rex. Hello, Toby. So, so, so you absolutely know who's who. You're both here, are you? Rex and Toby there. Yes, over there, both of you. Rex and Toby, left, Toby being on the right, Rex being on the left. Oh, I tell you what, Lucy, you know, I what? said it was Ashanti um, Okar's birthday today. Yeah. Right. Um, so I just clicked onto her page. There's only a picture of her stood with Kylie Minogue. Oh, yeah, I've got no idea. Who she, am I supposed to know who she is? I mean, oh, I know gosh, no, no. Who no, 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 no. She's just some some kind of some person that I met in Latvia about five years ago. Who <laughs> then I've just remained kind of you know friends in inverted commas with on on Facebook. Oh, yeah, she's there with Kylie Minogue. Oh. Yeah, I've just liked that picture to so say you know. Okay. Right. Who's next? Good to know we have your undivided attention, Roy. I kept um, up with your stream of consciousness. <laughs> I was multitasking. 
Um, Andrea Melling. Oh, I like Andrea. Hi, this is Andrea Melling from Texas, um, dog walker, dog sitter and football referee, um, none of which seem to be at all relevant to the Archers, but you never know. Um, I was just ringing up after hearing Wednesday's episode featuring Josh and some thoughts occurred to me. First, having a son of that kind of age, I just can't believe that a child of that age would spend their time researching obscure farm economics. I think Josh is pretty weird and strange and probably doesn't have a lot of friends. The second thing that I was thinking about was uh, the inheritance issue. Thinking of the current arrangement where David gets it all unless he sells, is that going to happen again? For example, if, if Pip sticks with the penniless Matthew, rather who doesn't have a farm, rather than Spencer, who did have his own farm, then won't Josh get nothing except a, a small share in the event of a sale? Um, and presumably the shares that David's siblings already hold don't expire, so he'll just get a lesser share um, after they've had their shares. Um, we know the farm can't support more than one family, and Pip has first dibs, so is it wise for Josh to do agriculture at uni? Very low-paid job prospects if you don't have your own farm. Surely Ruth and David should be discussing this now so Josh doesn't make a decision he might later regret when you know he doesn't get Brookfield and he's left with poor milker jobs like Matthew's. Um, I totally agree with Wyfield, as always, about Ian. I love him and I really feel for him. The scene where he returned to check on Adam and tried to ask about Charlie indirectly was really heartbreaking. And you know, I just he he knows deep down, but he doesn't want to face it, which is something we're all familiar with. Um, definitely, Team Ian. Dog walker and football referee, which is definitely the best combo we've had so far. Of we things. need to know the name of a pooch so it can be a dumpty dog. Okay. We're demanding, aren't we? We are very demanding. Mm. Uh, we want to know everything, basically. Everything. Well, it holds nothing, omit no detail, however slight. It helps to create that sense of community that people love about this podcast. Yes. Mm. And so it cures our fantastic nosiness. Well, Which is off the scale. <laughs> That's a fair point, really. Yes. <laughs> um, anyway, Andrea said, yes, I thought it was a bit odd, Andrea, that um, Josh, a, a, a teenage boy, would spend his lunch hour looking up odd facts about grass grazing schemes and things. He'd just go, if he didn't like what his parents were doing, he'd just go, yeah, well, it's stupid. You're just idiots. It's not going to work. Is it? It's like everything you do is rubbish. And wander off. Um, so, yeah, I, I completely agree with you. I thought that was highly unlikely. Um, and yes, inheritance, Royf. Mm-hmm. Always yes. quite hot inheritance. Who gets what? Mm-hmm. David cops the lot at the moment. Mm-hmm. If Ruth, if if um, Pip gets married mm-hmm. and stays on the, what happens in terms of people leaving? Is it divided between the three of them, or does does one kind of if one gets married and stays on the farm, do they do the same deal that they did again? You asking me or telling me? I'm asking you. I don't know. We best ask Cosmo. This is my understanding. The farm is shared between David, Kenton, uh, Lizzie and Shula. Yeah. David and Ruth actually manage it. So in effect, they have a, like a controlling share. OK. And yeah. actually nothing can be done behind their backs. They're actually really running the thing. 
if they decide to sell it, whilst the other siblings are alive, everybody then gets their stake. But as far as I know, because the farm isn't actually theirs solely, there is there is no um, legal provision for Pip, uh, Josh, and the other one whose name I just completely forget for the time being. <laughs> That's a, ben. that Ben Ben. There you go. As I understand it, but there's no way I'm putting that in the podcast because you know Cosmo probably burst out laughing and say, "You idiot!" <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> But that's the way that I kind of understood it. But I could be, and I'm probably wrong. No, you should risk. You should risk that. That sounds highly reasonable. Hmm. Well, and anyway, it's you know where there's a will, there's a relative. And as soon as we get to this bit, that's where that, that's it's kind of a huge plot driver, isn't it? Who mm. has what? So, you know, that will it will all be revealed in huge, boring, laborious detail, won't it? At some point, yeah, yeah. when when they reach that point where it's going to uh, be a sort of a um, uh, an interesting thing in terms of plot development. <laughs> next! Oh, who is next? Hello, Dumpty Dum. This is Stephen Perkins. Uh, I'm a first-time caller in I'm a journalist from London, and uh, I've been listening to this show, The Archers, uh, for about 10, 12 years now, and I've been listening to Dumpty Dum for, I think, about two months. Uh, I'm really, really loving it, and uh, there's some great stuff on the show, so uh, please keep up the good work. Um, I just wanted to uh, get in touch with you guys and offer some of my thoughts on Rob Titchener, which I'm sure you've had plenty of already, but um, I think he's getting a little bit too confident now, and I think his mask is slipping a little bit. I'm thinking particularly of that conversation he has with Tom in the shop about the confusion with the non-organic beef that they were stocking and the way that he was saying things like, oh well I didn't get the memo about that, ha 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 and that kind of snide, passive-aggressive comment that um, I think doesn't tend to go unnoticed for long. I think he's made quite a lot of those to people now and I think that's the sort of thing that people pick up and they don't necessarily talk about it to your face, but I think that's the sort of thing people mention to other people. Um, So I'm wondering now if it won't be too long before people start to talk within the village there's been enough people now that Rob's had that kind of interaction with that people will start to talk amongst themselves make offhand comments about the uh, the way he's spoken to them and the things that he said and, and the snide way he's spoken to them and I think that his uh, reputation as this wonderful charming gallant knight that he's worked so hard to craft might start to crumble a little bit um, I hope so anyway I really I really want someone to uh, realise what an awful awful shit he is um that's it i think stephen perkins who is a first-time caller in a rat and journalist and i think works on inside soap magazine crumbs do you think we could be cover stars of that yes why not (laughs) but we have to as with all those soap magazines you have to look like you're strangling me or something um and uh, and we'll have to have those bubble things around us Oh yes, sort of bright pink and bright yellow and and all that. And I was in Glamour magazine once. <laughs> <laughs> Why are you laughing for? Are you the before or the after? <laughs> You're so mean. You're so mean. You're so absolutely mean. But anyway, I'm not going to tell you my story. Then let's pass on. What did Stephen have to say? No, no, no. What did Stephen have to say for himself? It was something, I bet it was something to do with why why women find me irresistible or something, wasn't it? Why is that? Because you think I'm the sexiest man in Jamaica. <laughs> no, no, it was nothing to do uh, with that at all. And Men's fashion. Your shop. No. 
Uh, why small men make better lovers? I don't know that they do, by the way. I'm just guessing what it might have been. You know my, what? You, my, you what? are actually really quite mean, Lucy. You're very mean. You're very mean. And I don't think, right, okay, I'll never make an NBA basketball team. But as <laughs> short goes, you know, there is shorter. As <laughs> <laughs> a mascot. <laughs> I'm going to direct the good listeners of Dumdy Dum to send hate mail your way in the <laughs> next seven do. days. No, I got shed loads. Mm. <laughs> you, you mean bitter podcaster, you? My, oh, my camp coffee hell by Royfield Brown. <laughs> <laughs> Considering I've never drunk any of the stuff, everybody thinks it's me that drinks the camp coffee when it was you and your grandmother. <laughs> it's what it's become an urban myth. Mm. Anyway, yes, Stephen Perkins. Yes, oh, sorry, Stephen, we've we've diverted from you. Um, I agree. Very good point about Rob. The mask is slipping. More and more people now are seeing because because he cannot keep the lid. If he could control his narcissism mm-hmm. so that it only he only wanted to exert power over Helen, that would be fine. But he can't. He cannot rest until he's got power over everybody or is manipulating everybody. So, so far, he's pissed off Fallon, Kirsty, Tom, Charlie, Adam and Ian. Mm-hmm. Um, and as, as, as Stephen uh, so rightly says, this does not go unnoticed for long. Pe- people are very, very sensitive. No matter how clever you think you're being, narcissists always think, mm-hmm. I'll just drop a hint and no one will realise. And pe- it just people's hackles go up in a second and a half. And the narcissist is going, well, it, I was very subtle. And they just can't be because they, they are incapable of being that kind of um, that light handed because they can't. They just have to push it slightly too much to absolutely make sure that the person is buttoned down and will do what they want them to do. Um, so, yes, it's the but it's the older people. He seems to seduce uh, Rob. He seems to 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 have convinced uh, Pat. He seems to have convinced Peggy, Jennifer. He even seems to have turned Shula around. Uh, from her initial opposition to him. Um, I mean, it's the younger people that are, are, aren't taken in by him. Mm. Well, it's anyone who's um, had more than just a passing interaction with them. With the ex- you, actually, you're right, because no Pat, you know. Yeah. But anyway, the, 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 the plot hole, which is Pat and Helen, is exposed in Witherspoon's call, really, isn't it? Yeah. Because it's just, that's just nonsense. Yeah. But anyway... <sighs> What That's else did, did did he say anything else this this journo? Uh di- no. No, that was it. You'd have thought he'd have had more to say for himself if he's like, <laughs> you know. <laughs> really wouldn't you? <laughs> <laughs> thought that was quite poor, really. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> Let's not take a violent dislike to the man. He's no, the first time. No, 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 no. That's, that's a violent dislike. No, no, no not at all. Do they do a podcasting section on that Insight Soap magazine? I don't know. I think they should, don't you? You could be podcast pinup of the week <laughs> in this <inside> soap magazine. <laughs> you could. You could. You could use the shots that they took of you in glamour in the leather kilt with your top off. Well, for a start off, right, your timeline is all skew if, right? Because I was in that magazine in about 2003. Right. Mm. Did you not have your leather kilt then? No. I had um, a regular, 
It wasn't even leather. You were there. My kilt wasn't leather. What's the matter with you? <laughs> I've created this this monster. <laughs> Haven't you just? Talking <laughs> about talking about creating monsters. There was talk around the pie communal table yesterday about the hundredth episode. Yeah. And uh, one of the things, and I can't remember who said this. It might have been Audrey Ann, but um, forgive me if it, if it wasn't. And she said one of the, one of the things we could do is get people to take uh, pictures of themselves in their setting, um, listening to that hundredth episode, and and for, to get people to maybe organise little do's. So you know, if you are in Cornwall and you know of another couple of dumdy dummers also who aren't too far away, you say, oh, "Come on, let's listen to it all together." You have a glass of red or you know something suitably alcoholic. Uh, yeah. But if you are, an, if you have a problem with drinking, well, then you don't have something that's alcoholic because you don't encourage that type of behaviour. It's not mandatory that people drink, have an alcoholic drink, but that you just commune with other dumb dumbers and then take a picture. Then, then you post it to the book of face or to the Twitters or to wherever. And I thought that was a nice little suggestion. But we're yeah. still looking for that overarching kind of this is what we're going to do. Yes. So you're on about potentially a pub, weren't you? Because that's what your that's your solution to most things. <laughs> just go to the pub. Mm. Um, I just thought a, 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 a one with a live studio audience would be good. Mm-hmm. Um, and and have you um, did, have you spoken to Martin at all? Yes, he said yes. Oh, cool. Well, if Martin says yes, I, I think it's on. Right. Derek is the man from Del Monte. I knew you were going to say that. Did you? Yeah. Hey, baby, I hear the blues are calling Tossed salads and scrambled eggs Mercy Greetings, Lucy Royfield and all Dumpty Dummers around the world It's Witherspoon and Angus Haggis here We were planning to go to a burn supper tonight But Handsome Husband is a bit under the weather So we'll just be hunkering down for the first snowstorm of the year Enjoying a Saturday of listening to Radio 4 And living vicariously through Jazzer and Jim's celebration In a few days of the great Scottish poet this week, it was good to be reintroduced to the various residents of Ambridge, but overall I felt meh about the events of the last seven days. First, a word about the Dark Lord. We'll try to keep it brief. Why is Rob able to lock Helen in the proverbial closet, and no one ever comes a knock in? So he tells Pat that she's under the weather, has taken a bath, and gone to bed early. Wouldn't Pat want to pick up the phone and call her pregnant daughter the next day and check in on her? And why doesn't Tom check with his sister to see if she agrees with the policies that her husband espouses? Maybe Helen would find out that her husband is a manipulative, lying bastard. Well, not likely, because the scriptwriters want us to suspend the reality of human behavior to slow this storyline to a painful crawl. Other character notes. Josh, you come home from college to tell your parents that you know more about dairy farming than they do because you read an article on the internet. Gee, kids today. Charlie, it's time to say goodbye. Adam, it's okay to say you're having lunch with your husband. Ian, you're developing a backbone and had the best line of the week. So what will you say to hubby when you watch the affair together? Rex, why do you keep referring to whatever Toby did to whomever he did it to as, quote, going to Brighton? Again, such natural dialogue produced by the scriptwriters. And by the way, I hate Toby. And that's why I love the archers. 
Just to keep you apprised of my social life, 75 Gay Doctors had a great time last week, and in a few days I'm hosting another party, 75 50- to 60-year-old Princetonians dancing to the hits of the 70s and 80s, hoping to hear a lot of the new romantics, plus a conference to go to, so Angus and I will be taking the week off, and we'll call you again in two weeks. Talk to you then. Hey baby, I hear the blues are calling Tossed salads and scrambled eggs Mercy Um, yes, Witherspoon, very good point Why the bloody hell does nobody ever ring? Um, her Mm -hmm. But, to be honest That goes into a long list of if, if, If BT ever get to Ambridge the series is over, quite frankly, because so many things rely on people never ringing anybody else. You know, it's not like Justin and Charlie. Mm-hmm. Not Justin and Charlie. It's not like um, Charlie and Ian and Adam, for God's sake. Adam, um, you know, it's, it's like, well, I'm, as Justin Farrington said on, on the Twitters, so what, they haven't got each other's numbers? Mm. They have. So, it, you know, it's not like we're never, they're never going to see each other again. Um, people go round to 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 tell each other things all the time when they could just ring them. And, uh, you know, the phone is only ever used to indicate emergency or subterfuge. Mm. Uh, and considering how the rest of us practically live on the damn things, I don't know how, you know, why Ambridge is, is immune. Um, but it probably makes it quite a nice place to live. But anyway, um, <laughs> Alison Hartley... First time caller in with her dumpty dog, Gary. Yes. Hi, everyone. This is Allison Hartley. I am a first time caller in from Santa Rosa, California. With me is my faithful dumpty dog, Gary. And we have had a lovely day in San Francisco at the Dumpty Dum Meetup. It was wonderful to meet so many lovely people. And thank you, Royfield, for organizing it. The reason that I'm calling today is mainly to vet my frustration that I know a lot of you share regarding the Rob and Helen storyline. It just needs to end. It's tension and anxiety inducing, and it's gone on for far too long. I have a theory about how it might come to an end, hopefully a final end for Rob. As we have seen recently, Tom has become much more assertive in his dealings with Rob. We're starting to see him standing up to Rob a bit more, and I, for one, could not be more pleased about that. What I'm hoping will happen is that Tom will join forces with Kirsty in saving Helen from Rob, and that in the process, they may actually get back together. I would love to see that happen, and I'd love to know what all of your thoughts are on that. Thank you very much, and I love the show. Have a great day. She says Tom is going to rescue Helen from Rob mm, with Kirsty mm. and rekindle their love. I am not sure Kirsty would ever want to touch Tom with an organic barge pole, to be honest. I can't imagine that she, after that level of humiliation, I can't imagine that uh, she would ever be able to just get over that. Do you? What was the question? Oh, for God's sake. Would <laughs> Tom, would Kirsty ever get over the humiliation of being jilted at the altar? Yes, and and here's the reason why. And, and the, the script writers have signposted this because to his face, she could crack a joke about it. Remember last week he walked in um, 
to... I crack jokes in front of people I could cheerfully murder. That doesn't mean anything. No, but that was show... That was put there to signify the fact that, yes, very obviously, um, there is there's going to be this ongoing um, tension between them, but she's steely enough that even though it hurts her, uh, and she's still bristling with that kind of pain. Number one, she's gone back to Ambridge. If she was that devastated, you'd never, you would, you know, you would not go anywhere near that town. But she's case of this has happened, I can get through it. She's gone back to the scene of, you know, her ultimate, you know, humiliation. Mm-hmm. She can confront Tom and be somewhat um, jokey about it through gritted teeth. You know, Kirsty's a ballsy woman, and I say respect to her. And she and she can and she will kind of get through this. And it's going to yeah, be respect to her. But I hope I hope my my respect is kind of dependent on her not caving in and giving no, she won't cave in. She won't. She won't. Heart. She won't cave in. She will. Um, Tom has already realised that he's kind of screwed up. There's a conversation which he had with Roy months and months and months ago, yeah. and he said, you know, I, I made a complete and utter titter myself here um it will happen though i hope it's not too incredibly long long and drawn out because um <laughs> because... No. it's not like there's any history of stories being incredibly long and drawn out <laughs> <laughs> but you know what us, us listeners we can't we, we want it both ways we, are, we want it to be true to life yeah. well anything which is true to, life... <laughs> true to life in a fortnight yeah, yeah. and all wrapped up neatly because yeah. life is always like that it's very neat. Mm. <laughs> uh, we're going to hear a little bit more from Alison later, by the way, on the show. Are we? Yes. I've forgotten to say at the top of the show that I took little snippets, audio snippets, uh, of everybody that was at the do, and, um, and it's going to be at the end of the show. So if you, dear listener, uh, couldn't make the uh, WDUM meetup in San Francisco, you can... Uh, relive the experience at the end of the show. Very good. Mm-hmm. We can live vicariously. Us, us, us England-bound people can, uh, or UK-bound people can. What about uh, the live Canadians? Vicariously. What about the Canadians? And the Canadians. And uh, what about the Australians? That oh, listen? shut your face, Andrew White and the Kenyans, in Portland. <laughs> <laughs> We've got fifteen listeners in China. What about them? They can all come as well. Um, mm-hmm. He is Team Charlie. No, his 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 uh, other half is Team Charlie, and Andrew is Team Ian. Mm. Which are you, Royfield? I've always been an Ian man. Always, always. And I think, and this will be played out more in next week's uh, Dumby Dum um, offering, that Ian has played a somewhat canny game. And He's played a long game, hasn't he? Mm-hmm. He hasn't got hysterical and rushed around dumping people. He's kind of just sat and hoped that they'd get through it. Mm. And that might well have happened. Mm. But you haven't listened to Sunday, so you don't know. <laughs> Damn it. Right, okay. <laughs> you know what I'm doing immediately after this, don't you? Okay. Well, I'm Team Charlie, really. I feel. Are you? Yeah, I kind of feel as if... He's you, why don't you want him to bust up this long-standing Ambridge relationship? No, I don't. And I don't think he wants that. I just think... Yes, he does. He's he said kind... He said, run away with me to Scotland. 
I know. But he's kind of found himself in Ambridge. You ain't thought this through, Lucy. And and I just feel that he's been treated. I'm actually, whatever I, whether I'm team, I am not uh, team bloody um, um, Adam. That's who I am not. I'm not necessarily team Charlie or team Ian, but I am certainly not team Adam because I just think he's behaved absolutely disgracefully. I think he's completely lost any integrity he ever had and he didn't have much. Uh, and he still likes to swan around the village, you know, criticising other people. And I think he's behaved like a shit. I agree with just about everything you said, apart from him swanning around the village criticising people. Who does he criticise? Rob. I know he should criticise oh, Rob. Oh, come on. But he's kind of... No, I, I agree that he should. But and he's actually, very, you know, I think he's very tempered when it comes to Rob. But, he, you know, he still has... And he, he shouldn't still likes, be. He still likes to have a go at Brian, you know, for being unfaithful. Doesn't associate what Brian did to Jennifer at all with what he's doing to Ian. Well, yes, there, there, there is that inconsistency there. But um, he has to he has to be the support for his mother, doesn't he? And he looks at the, you know, the anguish <laughs> and the hurt that his mother went through. So that's well, where he lies. You're sitting at the bottom of a marble run because that's what I, Listen, like. as I said, this is a building <laughs> site. You know, all I can do is, is, is apologise. It's quite funny. It's like noises off. <laughs> I just, I just, it's like um, the, the temp, Indiana Jones. Like this gigantic concrete ball is hurtling towards you. That's what it sounds like. Even this rushing noise. <laughs> Blimey. Um, are you got anything more to add on this? Are, are we at the end? Have we got any more email or inners? Well, Goddess Diva called in, and um, but she that was kind of a fair brethren call about she does not care what happened in mm. in. Brighton. So I think she can go with Emily Thomas. Aha. Uh-huh. Okay. Because it's all sort of much of a muchness. Uh, we did have some emailer in us. Um, Claire Doherty, mm. who I sadly stood up on Saturday. I'm very sorry, Claire. Um, I have already apologised, um, but I should apologise again. Derek and I were supposed to go and see Claire mm-hmm. to go and have a look round um, her brewery. But I was feeling a bit rubbish and uh, Derek was very tired after a busy day so uh we never made it so i'm sorry claire um but we're going to go another time when we're where, not where is this brewery um it is in east london it's called beaver town which would make it the first time derek had ever gone to beaver town <laughs> <laughs> you're filthy you are you know but we will be we will be coming to see you soon claire Mm. anyway she said i shall share with you now my archer's trivia that i learned this week Mm -hmm. the actor who plays matthew studied acting in trinity when i was a student there we used to go to the same indie discos and he used to hook up with my friend lucy bit of an egypt but then again we were students at an indie disco so we were all egypts (laughs) i think that's probably a bit harsh claire sure you weren't sure he was but i'm sure you weren't um and we have had an email from my mum Oh, superb. All right. Uh, Who says, good morning, Lucy. Since Ruth has returned, she is always laughing. I am finding it a bit irritating because it's (laughs) false. Do you think that the actress is fed up with people not liking her character and wanted to lighten it up? P.S. Ten squirrels have come back to the bird feeder so I may take my water pistol out. Love, Ma. (laughs) There we go. Little insight into the home life of, of... the Freeman Mama. Um, 
I don't think that the actress gets any choice in what happens to her character very much. But I think it's, it, isn't it kind of to kind of indicate this kind of this new jolly light? Ha ha ha! It's kind of to indicate new start, everything's all right now, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, no, it, it's absolutely supposed to signify that. But I would take slight issue with what you said before in terms of the actors don't have any say over the direction of a character that they play. That is absolutely true. But I think what is also true is that uh, long-standing characters um, take on some of the natural characteristics of the actors that that play them. Their their general kind of demeanour. Um, not if you, you know, if you're, you know, if you, if you rack in for a year or two for six months or so in the arches, no, but someone who is, let's say, maybe a little bit kind of earnest naturally, I think the, the, the script writers then kind of do over a period of time, kind of write that subtly into, uh, that, um, into that character's characteristics. I think that absolutely does happen absolutely does happen and you see this um so much uh with long long standing soap so the the actor that plays ken barlow in coronation street is a little bit bookish in real life yeah. and you know etc she is feminist isn't she exactly and yeah. she she is a little bit earnest and she has her causes and etc etc so I think that those two things do actually do start to kind of like, you know, meld and kind of coalesce, so to speak. Um, are we are we done with stuff now? Are we? Are well, we actually, are, is, hmm? oh, no. On that oh, line. Gosh. All right. Yes. Um, Go on. To, uh, when we were how we had dinner with with uh, Nigel Pargeter. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you followed me. I had dinner with Graham Seed. But go I, on, I don't know who you had dinner with, but I had dinner with Nigel Pargeter. <laughs> <laughs> with a corpse. Say, you had dinner it, with a rotting corpse. <laughs> <laughs> time um he had uh he had dinner with the because initially when he joined the cast he, the idea was that he would marry shula and he had dinner with the director mm. at the time and said please i can't bear shula please don't let me marry shula and he said oh all right then you can have elizabeth <laughs> really yeah and he said those were the days where you could actually kind of um interfere and lobby for the direction that you wanted your 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 character to go in oh wow so there we go. Fab, fab, fab. Lucky uh, escape, I say. Well, not really. He still fell off the bloody roof, didn't he? <laughs> yes, but if he'd married Shula, he wouldn't have been on the roof. He'd have been trampled to death by a mad horse. No, because um, she would have still moved into Lower Loxley because it's his country pile. Oh, she'd never have been able to put up with Julia. Julia wouldn't have approved of her at all. Well, you, you would have th- thinking about it. Julie would approve of Shula much more than Lizzie because Lizzie was the wild child. I was explaining to Jennifer Reber that back yeah, in the eighties so, and the nineties that actually Lizzie was, you know, she yeah, was she out was. there. Yeah, but Shula is so unutterably middle class, like lower middle class, um, and um, Elizabeth because somebody who's a bit out there has got more chance of whizzing mm. up and down the social scale than somebody who's just resolutely Tupperware like Shula is. <laughs> <laughs> Resolutely Tupperware. Well done. That, that's the, that's she the is. Mi- Woman's practically got a bloody lid. She is, absolutely. You know what? That's going to be the title of the show. Resolutely Tupperware. Well done. <laughs> um, right. Is it now? 
Now we okay. Go. All right. Now I have to mention this because this has been bubbling away for quite some time. But Jacqueline Berto, good listeners, has uh, organised a uh, a town twinning uh, between uh, Dumdi Dumville and Sanguin in Brittany in France. Now. Older Archers listeners will know that uh, Ambridge used to be twinned with Meruel and Clary was the head of the twinning committee, wasn't she? And she used to pop over. I don't know if this was kind of late 80s, early 90s. In my head, that's kind of kind of when this was. She's, and like for about three or four years, every summer, there were French students that w- would kind of come over to Ambridge and then Clary would kind of go off to uh, to Meruel. Now, Easter 2000... So freaked out when she went to Borchester was apparently perfectly happy to trundle backwards and forwards across the channel but anyway yes it was but, an unlikely storyline well it, it, I used to quite like it but anyway Easter 2016 and there's going to be more details on this I'm going to put this on the website this week and we're going to start to uh, really push this because uh, Jacqueline has gone to a lot of effort and she did this some time ago and I said to her uh, we would start to push and promote this in the new year. But um, so this would start uh, on uh, Friday, the 25th, uh, where the where your um, you will you'll sail um, on a Brittany ferry from Portsmouth and then you will come back on the Sunday. Uh, there's going to be loads more details next week. I'm going to put this up on the website. The prices, and this is with accommodation, she's done so well with this. You get accommodation and meals. This is an absolute giveaway and a steal, is approximately 105 quid. It's 140 euros. Now, she says the price may slightly fluctuate uh, dependent on the amount of people actually. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus... Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. 
that actually do want to come. But you, this is with accommodation and a couple of meals, more details next week. But I th- only thought, being as we are two months potentially away from this, I need to start kind of flagging this up and promoing this. Um, so if you want to get yourself over to France to go along to Sanguen, you'll get to meet the local mayor of the town. Um, she's got loads of kind of activities all lined up. There's a couple of meals, accommodation, uh, it's all sorted. Uh, more details will be on the website in the next week and on next week's show. So book that in your diaries, folks. 105 quid will get you three nights in France um, in lovely Sanguan. And that is, and I'm furiously going back on the email. So it's Friday, the 25th of March. And I said Sunday before, but you actually come back on the Monday. So you come back on Monday, the 28th. There you go. More details to come. Now, Lucy, mm-hmm. we should take stock and come back the other side. It's the story of a cultural superpower that danced and sprinted its way to success. It brought the world reggae, Colin Powell, Rastas, Hip Hop, Bob Marley, and much more. Its story is told to you in full colour for your podcasting ears. It's the story of how Jamaica conquered the world. Search for it on iTunes. How Jamaica conquered the world. It's probably the best least known podcast in podcast on. Search for it today. Nineteen fourteen, June, Sarajevo, the heir to the throne of Austria-Hungary, Archduke Franz Ferdinand assassinated, killed by a Serbian nationalist. About six weeks later, world war breaks out. Germany, Austria-Hungary, Russia, France, Britain, everyone is drawn into it starting in August. And then, will America be drawn in? Listen to the first show exclusively on Mixcloud today and subscribe to us on iTunes beginning January the 18th. From Washington to Obama, 10 American Presidents. The new podcast from Royfield Brown. Do you have a National Trust sticker on your car? Do you think you could be best friends with Kath Kidson? Do you spend hours wandering around the airport looking for an organic quinoa cafe because you refuse to go to Burger King? Then Sarah Smith Cloths are for you. Available from Sainsbury's for the Posher Washer. Proud sponsors of Dumpty Dum. (coughs) I've just had a look at the Dumpty Dum shop. They've got no tracksuits, but they do do t-shirts, which are very flattering. Nice if you want to show off your figure a little bit. Nick couldn't carry one off, of course, but I can. G'day, everyone. Uh, Another great week on the Dumpty Dum Facebook page. And it was really nice to see people getting together at the... San Francisco chapter of Dumpty Dum at the Pie Bar in the Mission. Now, I was there in September, so I wish I'd been there while you were all together. I think that's Doug Vaughan, I can see it at the front of the picture. You can certainly see Royfield there. And Vicky Cole said, I hope you sang a Dumpty Dum, to which the reply was, we most certainly did. We also asked the question about whether you're preferring the return to traditional storylines. And we wondered this because when I was looking across the Facebook pages, there was a real division uh, amongst fans. Some people are like, wow, this is so boring, I'd rather watch paint dry. And other people were, thank goodness, finally we get back to what this is all about. So I thought we'd ask the question. Kate Swift said, I don't necessarily think it's a case of traditional storylines over new. 
I think it's more about balance between them and having a depth and richness of character. We all enjoy the good comedy moments, but The Archers isn't a comedy. It's at its best when it's real. The storyline we do not name is hard yet gripping because of the effort poured into it by everyone. The disappointment comes when potentially good stories, Kenton's mental health, Adam's consistent infidelity, etc., are cast aside because the scriptwriters are suddenly bored with them or they're not plotted effectively. The racy stories have always been there. Ruth and Sam, Alan marrying Usha, Adam coming out, but they were allowed time and space to feel real and other things were allowed to happen around them. Scott Holfer says, I live in Minnesota where there's no Radio 4 broadcasts and have only been addicted for a year. Welcome to the addiction, Scott. So it's impossible for me to compare the current storylines to that of several years ago. That said, it sounds like the scriptwriters are doing a fine job balancing the traditional rural roots of the show with broader contemporary social issues. Hmm, good point, actually, Scott. Joe Bank says, I think the program has always been split between the dramatic soap storylines and the rural ones. Apart from the Rob Helen one dominating over all others, which is a change, I think the program is pretty much what it has been since I started listening circa 1991. I agree with you, Joe. I've been listening for a little bit longer than that. And there's always been a storyline that irritates me and others that I love. So for me, having the current storyline that does irritate me is normal. Sean Evans says, I'm waiting for Rob to be finished with before I start listening again, but really pleased to hear there's more of a balance. It's sorely needed. It was getting like EastEnders on the farm. It's a shame you're not listening, Sean. I think you would still enjoy it. So please feel free to jump in and have a go soon. Uh, and Sarah Woods Rockwell says she's been listening for 25 years and enjoys a, a dramatic central storyline around which there is a mix of the more everyday stuff involving a wide range of characters. And I guess that's the point, isn't it? That there's always something dramatic happening, but the agricultural year continues. There was a, so there was a range of opinions, and I would like to finish up with Witherspoon, uh, the 35th, who says. I think that I and most Dumpty Dummers prefer a gentler, kinder Ambridge, but then we'd have less to talk about. And do you know what, Witherspoon? You're spot on. So that's a bit of a roundup, but if you'd like to see all of the responses, please go to our Facebook page, and I will see you next week. Hooroo! Thank you, Millie. Uh, Lucy. Yep. Why don't you hit us with some hashtag the archers tweet of the talking about tweet of the week? Mm. I think you should win tweet of the week. I know right? you're just Which? too too modest. How many retweets did that Rob tweet Rob chuckle punch oh. tweet get? <laughs> chuckle punch. Yeah. It's only well, it's just because. Oh um, yes, yeah. I'm going to be false modesty now. It's only because well, oh, yeah. Go on. <laughs> no, it was just because that that. that that uh, mannerism has been designed to be the single most infuriating thing in the world ever, hasn't it? It's like an indicate. It's everything that we hate about Rob summed up in one. <laughs> mm. Yeah. So it's just a well-timed, I think, rather than anything else. Anyway, uh, Justin Farrington, mm-hmm. Mud Kip Stoat Twenty Three, said, "Charlie is worse at getting off stage than fucking Metallica." <laughs> <laughs> Um, Steve Doherty mm-hmm. said, Goodbye, Charlie. We'll never forget you. Not while we have Tom Archer. <laughs> mm-hmm. And Father Hiroshima Twinkie said, 
I don't know what the hell this conversation was about, but it made me laugh. Rob's tabard is probably made of fire. (laughs) (laughs) I think tabard, if tabard of fire wasn't an episode of Father Ted, it should have been. Um, Just whilst we're on that point, right? So I was sat next to Laura Jackson, who'd come all the way from Marin County, and I was trying to convince her, and I don't know if I succeeded, uh, that I should uh, accompany her on a road trip around the good old United (laughs) States. She... She said she's about to buy a camper van, and I said, why? And she said, because she's going to do a road trip around the United States. And I said, really? And she went, yeah. And I went, well, I'm not really... I said, I've never really been to the Deep South. I've been to New Orleans once, but I didn't really travel around. So how about I accompany her when she travels over the Potomac? So she's really like in the South, so kind of Virginia, Maryland. You're not backward at coming forward, are you? No, no, no. You you know what? You've got to seize the day, you know, Lucy. You know, you see an opportunity, you've got to go for it. And I says, I will go with you all the way down to florida we can noodle around florida then we can cross over i says when we get to texas then i'll How jump, then I'll jump out um well she, minutes well i'd probably known her for about three by then because it's literally one of the first things she said um, oh. however she feels that she knows me and you because we're her friends she goes to sleep with us laura it's not too late <laughs> whatever you've signed up for you can just don't sign anything change your locks don't get the van, just keep moving. Well, I don't think I convinced her anyway. No. And when I, I, so I said to her, so when exactly is this going to happen? And she, every obstacle imaginable was put in the way. She says, well, we need to be careful <laughs> that it's not too hot. Then it can't be hurricane season. You know, it, it, <laughs> Take it back. You obviously know exactly what you're yeah. doing. Carry on. She's, carry she's on. a very yeah. smart and canny woman and she will be doing that leg of a trip on her own, not with me. She made that abundantly clear. <laughs> Did she invent a lethal virus that only affects people in camper vans going around the south of America? It was ev- every excuse underneath the sun as the yeah. reason why, you know, I probably wouldn't be, you know. Of course, Ruth, I'd, I'd love you to, however. <laughs> well, <laughs> mm. Excellent. Oh, yeah, next tweet is Cara. Mm. Um, good thought here. I repeat emphatically that I want Kirsty and Fallon as stylish, fun-loving, late-night, clubbing, vintage-wearing power lesbians. Um, I agree, Cara. I'm just not quite sure where Harrison fits in. But, fortunately, Tweet of the Week answers that very neatly. It's, I think, somebody who hasn't been on Twitter all that long, judging mm. by the amount of followers, is uh, Darwin underscore Percy. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't quite know what this means. It may be actually very, very rude. I'm not sure. But it just made me laugh. Um, Darwin Percy said, Fallon loves black pudding. I now see PC Burns differently. (laughs) I don't know what that means. (laughs) Does he mean that PC Burns could be black and we haven't realised or what? I don't know. Mm. What you you referring to my appendage is is a <laughs> no, black pudding. <laughs> you're, I don't know how to take that, but anyway, it's it, mm, it's end of show time almost. It's <laughs> probably a good thing. Uh, yes, I think we need to draw a veil over this. And we've moved on to black pudding. It's probably mm. it's almost the end of the show. But don't tune out now, dear listener, because we do have some great little takeaways from our San Francisco meetup. So stay to the bitter end. Now, shop news. 
get your stuff. We have a new head of product marketing and design at the shop. This is listener Laura, who was at the San Francisco meetup, who took to moaning. Is, is this the Laura that you tried to? Yes. Climb yeah, into yeah, a yeah. Camper yes, van. yes, okay. yeah. Climb into a camper van. <laughs> <laughs> insinuated yourself into her camper van he took to moaning about the <laughs> lack of lillian labeled cocktail glasses tea towels and so on and uh, she made the stunning observation she said royfield if you actually had some tabards you know you'd sell a shed load of them and i said yeah. look you've just talked your way into um being the head of product marketing at the shop so i'm handing the keys of the shop to her Right, and she can just do that what she will because she is spot on, and right. I, you don't know, it just makes complete like, sense. Let's sell some tabards. Yeah, you don't sound convinced, but I know that there'll be yeah. a, absolutely well, be a hit. That there's another lady that wanted baby stuff. Yes, and and I there used to be baby want... stuff, and then the baby oh. stuff's gone walkabout. Uh, listen, oh, Nor- it's Shelley. Yes, it's oh, going to be Shelley. sorted out. It's going to be sorted out. Because then Doug Point... We've got to hurry up because she's about to have oh, right. a Dumpty Diddler. And she's fed up with getting Star Trek and Doctor Who tops. And she wants to balance one out. And she wants a Hello You Two one. Bearing in mind that babies spend most of the first six months staring at a pair of boobs. <laughs> right. Laura, get on it. I can now safely pass this on. Um, okay. So look out for a new range of products soon. Okay, Uh, reviews, news, news of reviews. Now, dear listener, this is of such vital importance that if you do only one thing this week, please make it be that you do an iTunes review. Uh, This is super important because we will then go up in the podcasting firmament. Yes, we'll hit the top of the podcasting charts eventually if we were to get our listeners all to write a review it's that important um you don't have to give us money you don't even have to like what we do you can just lie just write a <laughs> review five star us please now getting back onto dumdydum.com you can go onto our website where you can write articles you can comment on the shows you can message other caller inners and listeners so if you haven't done so already go and sign up and log in now the last two weeks lucy mm-hmm. have seen an avalanche a deluge of love for the show in form of donations. I don't know what's oh. happened, but something's happened. And Ooh, um, nice. and it's been absolutely lovely and heartwarming. Um, so if you would like to help keep our little show on the road, there are a couple of ways that can be done. You can go to patreon.com forward slash Dumpty Dum and find us to support the show for $2. And we would like to thank... Chasey Shevin for joining the ranks of the Patreons. Or if you want to simply donate, you can go to dumptydum.com and hit that donate button on the site. And we would like to thank Maureen Freiberger. I love Maureen because whenever she writes um, a message on the uh, forum, she always says, as the grandmother of John IV. Oh, Jennifer Reba. Lonnie J. Bahar. And Mrs. Sheila Snowden for their donations in the last week. Thank you. Remember to get in contact with us. You can send us a voice message via SpeakPipe on our website or you can call us on 0203-031-3105 to leave us a telephonic message. You can find us on the Twitters where we're at Dumpty Dum or you can tweet me where I'm at Royfield. Or me at Lucy V. Freeman or Sarah Smith at Sarah underscore Smith. And remember, of course, we are on the Book of Face. Uh, it's quite simply to find us there. You go onto the said Book of Face and type in Dumpty Dum into the searchy bit. And then you'll find us where we have some 900 and odd 
Like a Lurkers, and you can join the Like a Lurkers uh, there and be part of our Merry Book of Face band. Any passing shots, Lucy V. Freeman? No. Right. I have none either, but the good citizens of California do have some. So here, it to round off the show, are the uh, participants of yesterday's meetup at Pi Bar. My name is Adrienne Covarrubias, and I've been listening to The Archers for approximately five years. And who's your favourite character? Um, I like Lillian a lot, but Jazzer's a close second. Mm-hmm. All right, now, I know that you're an absolute expert in the, in the island of Alameda, on The Archers, and everybody comes to you, don't, don't they, for oh, advice? Yes, yeah. Your next-door neighbours and whatever, right? So All the time. So what is going to happen in the next six months? Um, well, I think uh, there's probably going to be something big with the uh, Helen baby storyline. Mm-hmm. Maybe losing the baby. Mm-hmm. Um, I think. You think the baby will have cloven hoofs? <laughs> think it's, he's the devil's spawn. It, it's uh, it's highly probable. Uh huh. And I think that possibly Rob, I mean, sorry, Tom and Kirsty will get back together, and mm-hmm. Roy and Haley. Okay. You're an old romantic, aren't you? <laughs> no, I just it. it Kind of, you see it in the works a bit. There's been some hints. My name is Allison Hartley. I live in Santa Rosa, California, which is about 50 miles north of San Francisco. And I've been listening to the Archers for roughly six months. What got you into the Archers? Some very nice and uh, haranguing friends, actually, from New Zealand. They kept telling me, oh, you got to check this out, mate. You got to check this out. And... I was initially quite intimidated by the whole prospect of getting into something like The Mm -hmm. Archers because the backstory is so vast. And I thought, oh my god, there's no way I'm ever going to catch up meaningfully enough to really be able to then jump in and and know what's going on. And so I didn't for a while. And then finally they just kept on me and I downloaded four weeks worth of omnibuses back in, I want to say July, possibly August. Um, and I listened to it, and from the first omnibus, I was absolutely hooked. I'm so glad that you came, right, for lots of reasons to, to, to the meetup. But you've helped coin a new category of dumpty dumber, haven't you? I have. <laughs> so, what is this new class of dumpty dumber? Um, I have coined the, the term dumpty dogs, and that is because my guide dog Gary is here at the meetup with us uh-huh. and he's also very happy to be here as am I and so I propose that Gary and Angus Haggis and any of the other dogs who tune in should join the Dumpty Dogs Club <laughs> You were just too slick behind the microphone here so have you got some media training? Um, informal yes I am a podcaster I co-host a blindness technology related podcast called the Tech Doctor Podcast mm-hmm. with my good friend Robert Carter in Texas and you can find out more and listen to a couple of episodes and hopefully subscribe by going to dr-carter.com that's dr-carter.com and if you'd like to follow me on Twitter you can do so by following Apple Alley Apple like the fruit alley A-L-L-I you're too good. Too slick. Well done. <laughs> I'm Robin Iolanthi Rosa on Twitter. Mm-hmm. I'm from Santa Rosa, California, and I've been listening to The Archers for about seven or eight years. Mm. So you're still warming into it, right? What's the first yeah, storyline that you remember? I remember David and Ruth trying to decide whether or not they should install an anaerobic digester. Mm-hmm. Did they make the right decision? 
I can't remember whether they did it or not, <laughs> but I remember that it was going to cost 35,000 pounds. Wow. wow. Um, and I remember Usha mm -hmm. having some PTSD related to earlier racial attacks. Ah, I, that would have been Roy and his nonsense in the late 80s. Right, but I don't remember that. What uh -huh. I remember was something that happened later that caused her to start freaking out again. I can't remember what it was, though. Well, I must admit, that I, I can't remember that, but I forget <laughs> most storylines, and everybody knows that. So, we talked about the past. What about the future? What do you want to happen next in The Archers? Well, like everyone else, I would like Rob to have a comeuppance. Mm -hmm. I would like it, though, to be a very thorough uh, comeuppance uh -huh. in which he has to take responsibility for every single horrible thing he's done. Not just one thing here or one thing there. I want the whole thing. I want him to be taken apart limb by limb. But you're an American, right? If you have to choose between a presidency of Donald Trump <laughs> or Rob getting his comeuppance, you can only pick one, which would it be? Well, I, I have to save myself first. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, now, if we could get Trump and Rob to take each other out, that, Ooh, that would Quentin be a win-win. Quentin Tarantino win. style. Yeah. You know, like, like get Reservoir them in a room together. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That would be a win-win. Perfect. Doug Font, I uh, live in Oakland when I'm not on a boat. Now, you've been listening to The Archers for how long now, Doug? Well, I think we just figured it out. It was about... Uh, 1998 when mm -hmm. I first started listening although it might have been spotty before that because before then the only time I could listen mm -hmm. was when I was in England mm -hmm. at some point was getting synopsis by email so I could keep up with what was going on even if I couldn't listen then when they started putting uh, Radio 4 out on the internet then I could actually but listen at you, home did you help invent the internet Doug? I did not help invent the internet I worked for a company that made it nearly ubiquitous. Okay. All right. So. I think you're being modest. I think you're being modest. Uh, okay. All, right. all, so. I, all I was a small cog in putting it out there. Okay. All right. So um, you had, um, before kind of Dumpty Dum, there was another kind of group of people online that kind of helped ferment all things kind of... There was a Usenet group called uk.media.radio.archers. Mm -hmm. And we had get-togethers. Um, it was very active. We had get-togethers. We had barbecues in Reading mm -hmm. at the McMillan's place. And usually it was May, uh, early May. And that's where Cosmo comes from, isn't it? What? Co I don't know. Is Cosmo from Reading? He's a number, I remember. Oh, is he a number? Yeah. Was he a number? Yeah. Oh, I don't remember this. Oh, so Cosmo's a newbie because you were old school. Oh, definitely was old school. So talking about old school, let's go on to future school. What is going to happen in the next six months in Ambridge? We're going to continue to be intrigued by what's happening with Rob. Uh -huh. He's just going to keep being there and being the being the bad guy because they've got too he's too good an actor and they've got too good a storyline. They're just going to keep it going. First question, sir, what is your name and how long have you been pretending not to be listening to The Archers? My name is Jeff Waterhouse and I've probably been pretending for a couple of years now. Now, you have a quite, let's say, I would say boring, right? Oh, but important job. Absolutely, you know, very important, what do critical. You do? What do you do? I am a geologist. I'm mm -hmm. making the world safer one benzene molecule at a time. Now, why is that important? 
when we look at what's happened in Ambridge in the last 12 months? Oh, there's so many issues that bear directly on uh -huh. geology, oh, from yes, yes. the uh, the whole bypass issue and uh -huh. going through the ground where there's springs and seepage, uh -huh. to um, Rob's dastardly blocking oh, oh. of the storm drainage so that the so, whole town was flooded. Now, was that flooding an act of nature? Was it an act of Rob? Well. Flooding will happen, yes. but flooding of human structures is mm -hmm. a man-made affair, and so uh -huh. you cannot have one without the other. I think Rob bears responsibility for diverting the natural course of the water. You heard it here first, folks. Rob is that evil that he, he killed Frida Fry. Absolutely. So he is a murderer. Uh, he is. That's yes. One of his one of his multiple felony counts. We like that. All right. <laughs> Hi, I'm Laura Jackson, and I have been listening to The Archers since Alistair had his gambling problem, which Ooh. I think was about 2005. Okay. All right. So we haven't seen much of Alistair recently, right? Or heard much of Alistair recently. Um, but who do you think is also underserved by the writers? Who would you like to, you know, hear a little bit more from? Well, I'm a big fan of Lillian. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I've been pleased to hear that she's her presence has increased in the uh -huh. last, last few days. Uh -huh. And I think that there's exciting things in store for Lillian in the next few months. So if we look forward to the next few months, do you think Lillian and Justin Elliott are going to get their groove on? That's what you Americans call it, isn't it? Well, I wouldn't say that. What, what would you call it? <laughs> okay, so you're stuck for a suitable expression for sexual congress between two <laughs> consenting adults. But other than that, in so, the next six months, what would you like to happen in Ambridge? Well, I would like to, you know, get back to hearing more from a lot of our favorite characters. So okay. At the moment, we're concentrated on a pretty small number of people, so mm -hmm. I like Jazzer, I like Lillian. Um, be good to hear more of Kirsty. Uh-huh. So. I think you might get your wish with Kirsty. Excellent. I think Kirsty and Tom are going to bust the Rob thing wide open. And they're the two to do it, and maybe it will bring them back together again. Mm -hmm. Right. So, um, when are we going on our trip throughout the south of the, of the states in your camper van? Well, it would have to be at a time of year that is appropriate weather-wise. So okay. Not too hot, not uh -huh. too cold, no uh -huh. tornadoes, no hurricanes, no floods. So I'll be consulting, you know, the, the weather forecast, and I'll let you know. Sounds to me like you got out of that, really. <laughs> well, well done. <laughs> Thank you, Laura. My name is Jennifer Reber, and I have been listening to The Archers for not quite two years. Okay. All right. So... You're, you're a baby in arms. I am a baby in arms, You're yes. a baby in arms. So if, somebody's, if you had to sell the archers to somebody, how would you do it? Bear in mind, right, that we have... We're currently... The biggest movie of the last ten years is out, Star Wars. And, of course, the archers is better than that. <laughs> All right? So sell us the archers. I would say that the archers is... On the surface, one of those things that you don't think you're going to be interested in until you start listening to it. And all of a sudden you realize that the characters are very complex and they have very interesting lives. Even though it's sometimes on the farm, 
and you know it would be it's surprising how interesting talk of baking cake is <laughs> now i know that you have some insider knowledge when it comes to the kind of the rural setting of yes, the archers i do so what is that I grew up on a farm in the middle of America, Ohio, to be specific. So I was a farm girl. Uh-huh. I grew up um, milking cows and churning butter. So were you Pip Archer in Ohio? I was not Pip Archer. I was kind of the antithesis of Pip you Archer. You like a drink. Are you Lillian then? I'm much more Lillian. <laughs> <laughs> much more Lillian and I knew that at an early age which is why I knew I would not stay in middle America all right so to finish up with what should happen in the in the next six months in Ambridge what should happen well the flower and produce show should happen <laughs> my, my name is Mario Covarrubias I'm a Californian uh-huh all right and um, you've been playing chaperone for who exactly uh, Mrs. Adrienne Covarrubias. I've been told that you've been taken in the arches vicariously through your wife. Is that true, sir? That is correct. But now you've, you've been infected with the fever and you're full on. Yes. Okay. Right. So, who is your favourite character and why? Wow. I have to be honest. That's a very difficult question for me right now. Because um, you have more than one? No, because uh, to, to truly have a favorite character, you really need to understand the characters, and I'm just... Listen, we're all just, grope, grope, we're all just groping in the dark when it comes to these characters. Even the script writers are groping in the dark when it comes to writing <laughs> these characters sometimes. So, just take us... Who do you like? Okay. Okay. Just based on that information, uh-huh. I like Tom. Okay. Tom Why? is very passionate. It, it, we had a conversation inside, right? And my eyes started to glaze over when you, you told me about your passion for IT. Is it that kind of that kind of nerdy kind of thing that you kind of see in yourself with Tom? Um, I don't know if I have that kind of a direct relationship with Tom, mm-hmm. but do you like um, sausages? I do like sausages. You do? I do. All right. So there is some okay. commonality there. Yes. Okay. All right. Uh, but I do appreciate his passion. Please tell me you didn't jilt your wife at the altar. No. Okay. So it just commonality stops the sausage. That's pretty ubiquitous. Most of the planet likes a sausage. It's <laughs> true. All right. So um, I think that Tom is going to be the avenging angel in the next few months, and he's going to bust this Rob thing wide open with Kirsty. I sure hope so. Yeah. And, yeah. and then we'll get back together. That would be interesting. How could we celebrate that in IT terms? In IT terms? Uh huh. Wow. Um, don't know how you would celebrate that with IT terms. Uh, that's that's a good question. Could we write Very some line of question. line of code? You could you could definitely. Uh-huh. Um, I guess that would be one way. Sure, writing some code. Um, maybe throwing in some words so that oh, writing the code so that everyone's computer has a nice little celebration, little balloons on the on the monitor or something. And you could do that. I could not do that. I'm sure someone in IT could do that. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, Mario. Sure.
Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at UH1.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.